Leon Fontaine is away today. My name is Jeremy Prest, and our Return to Reason guest today is the co-author of a book called Super Abundance. It might surprise you to hear that our world is actually getting exponentially better. It isn't the doom and gloom we are fed daily by the legacy media. Marion L. Tupi is a world-renowned speaker, editor of humanprogress.org, a senior fellow at the Cato Institute Center for Global Liberty and Prosperity, and the co-author of The Simon Project. He specializes in globalization and global well-being, politics, and economics. Today, a special episode of Return to Reason, where knowledge and wisdom intersect. Welcome to today's uh, show, Marion. It's so good to have you here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. You know, um, when we when we secured this interview and we're, we started to approach this topic, um, honestly, I was ex- I was excited. You know, there's there's it's an interesting thing what's going on in the world today, and I would love to flesh that out as we walk through your book. But there's there seems to be this doom and gloom mentality going through all of news, through um, universities, through students. You see people um, going into museums and trashing art for climate activism. You see all sorts of these things going on all over the world and the news seems to be magnifying it so when we got a hold of your book it was um it was very contrary to to that idea it was it was actually saying that there's an abundance that as time goes on things are getting better um so i guess i want to i want to ask you what inspired you to write this book and what is the what are you hoping to accomplish with this book well, we started about five years ago uh, trying to update the famous uh, Simon Ehrlich wager. Uh, for the listeners who don't know, um, uh, Simon was an economist um, living in uh, Maryland, uh, working at the University of Maryland. And uh, and uh, Paul Ehrlich, who is still alive, is a biologist at uh, Stanford University. And uh, basically, in 1980, they made a bet. Uh, Paul Ehrlich was arguing that as population increased, uh, prices of resources would go up and resources would become more scarce. And uh, Julian Simon, who was an economist, uh, was arguing that as population increased, prices of resources would go down and they would become more abundant. And uh, uh, that wager came to an end in 1990 and uh, Simon won. So we were just looking at first to, um, to, to, to update the wager to 2018 or 2020. And then we put a different spin on it. Uh, Simon and Ehrlich worked with uh, real prices, meaning inflation-adjusted prices, which is how economists normally look at things. But we looked at prices of resources from perspective of human wages. In other words, how long you have to work in order to afford something, uh, how many minutes and hours you have to afford. You know, you have to work to afford a bag of uh, oranges or a pound of you know pound of bananas and things like that. And uh, that actually improved on the wager. Simon would have won by an even bigger uh, margin. And that is because human productivity and innovation translates not only into declining prices of resources, the, the, you know, the abundance of resources, the fact yeah. that they're becoming more cheaper, but also our wages are going up at the same time. So once you combine these two values in one, which is what we call time price, how long you have to work to 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 buy something what we found was that it was an even more impressive appreciation human flourishing and so because one of the things that's being preached from the mountaintops it feels like is that overpopulation we're killing this world there's not enough to go around um so but you're saying you're saying the complete flip side of that is as we grow we become more innovative we become more capable of of actually resourcing ourselves 
Is that accurate? That's, that's correct. I mean, Simon already uh, pointed out that the human brain is the ultimate resource. In other words, every new baby born into the world uh, is not just born with an empty stomach, but also a brain. And so the more brains you have yeah. talking to each other, having the freedom of speech, um, associating, publishing, investing in the stock market, profiting from their innovations, um, the, the, the more likely it is that you are going to come up with a solution to a problem. Now, the, the, the problem that you may be facing is maybe a pathogen. You know, you need to come up with a drug or a vaccine uh, in, in, in short order. Uh, maybe what you're looking for is a long-term solution to cancer, or maybe it is that you are looking for solutions to environmental problems. Environmental problems, in my estimation, are just technical problems uh, that yeah. we can solve uh, if we have more knowledge. A perfect example of that would be if if every farmer in the world became as productive as a Canadian or an American farmer, we could feed 10 billion people very easily and at the same time return land to nature. Yeah. So right now, the problem is that uh, much of the world's agriculture is not terribly productive. People are just don't produce as much as they could per acre of land. Yeah. But if they became as productive as Americans, then we could just send all bunch of land back to nature so the biosphere can um, uh, can reconstitute itself. We could plant many more trees and things like that. It's already happening. Yeah. It could be happening at a faster pace. Well, I remember... Um... I went fishing up, we, we went fishing with some friends and we live in Canada, one of the largest countries in the world. And um, when, when you're being preached about overpopulation and how there's not enough space and there's not enough to go around, where we went, we had to get into a float plane because there's no roads to go there. And so as we get in this plane, we start flying as far as you can see for hours. There's, there's not a home, not a house, not a business, just lakes, trees forests as far as you can see and so i remember on that plane we started to discuss like what what are they talking about like how are we even getting like overpopulation like i it just it seems almost completely absurd but then we you turn on cnn and um a phrase we like to use sometimes about cnn is just constant negative news so um like they even sometimes preach the fact that the human race is a plague to the earth um but like my question to you i guess is why why is it that we're getting this why are they preaching this to us uh, by the way, it's the same in the United States. Um, yeah. you, you you leave Washington, D.C., where I live, and five miles from the city center, you encounter deer and wildlife yeah. and snakes and whatever. Uh, the yeah. fact is that the United States and, and Canada are basically empty, um, yeah. the, you know, to, to simplify things. Um, but and 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 don't forget one more thing and that is this trend this this urbanization trend which is happening in the world by 2050 80 percent 80 percent of all of humanity will be living in the cities what does that mean that means that uh that that we are basically emptying the land we are going wow. to the cities and so so animals will be able to reconstitute themselves and they're very good at doing that yeah. um um, I'm, I'm reminded of Chernobyl and the fact that now it's a wildlife refuge where the animals yeah. are roaming freely. Uh, and be, why? Because uh, because humans have disappeared. Apparently, human uh, intervention with nature is more destructive than than um, than than even nuclear explosions. And we know that also from the Bikini Atoll. Uh, American uh, government had dropped 23 nuclear devices onto Bikini Atoll in the 1950s. Yep. Uh, recently, marine biologists went there and found the the the, the marine life flourishing like like you, you wouldn't you wouldn't tell. So so nature has its way of reconstituting themselves as as soon as we depart. Now, um, 
why is there so much negativity in the news? I, I think it's because we have evolved to be pessimistic. We have evolved to prioritize negative news. So, you know, your brain has only so much computing power and you are ingesting at any point in time, um, you know, a lot of information about your yeah. surroundings. And so the brain needs to prioritize uh, things which are potentially dangerous. Yeah. Um, and uh, it is uh, and, and, and the region of the brain that prioritizes danger, amygdala, is directly linked to your uh, to your nervous system. So, for example, if you're walking through a forest and you see a branch that may look like a snake, you will jump away. Your fight or flight will kick in. Fight, fight or flight will kick in. And within within half a second after that, maybe even shorter, no, half a second or so, uh, you will realize that it's just a branch because because your nervous system is acting at a at a quicker pace than the other part of your brain, which is then able to uh, affix the uh, the branch to a uh, to to something to a concept which is not a snake. Yeah. So um, so we have evolved to do that uh, because the world was much more m much less uh, um, a much less pleasant place to live in and if you wanted to survive um, you you had to constantly focus on the negative and that is why uh, of course the newspapers always lead with horrible stories if yeah. it if it bleeds it leads that's not just a saying it it's it's the reality people are much more likely to pick up a newspaper and and give you 2 dollars or whatever um, if they see something more horrific happening on the front page yeah, one of the things I guess I want to ask you too is is it, and I, I can only speak to the world that I live in in, in Canada, first world country, first world nation. Um, why is it like? Is it democracy where we're polarizing the the left versus the right? Is vote for me and everyone else is bad, so I'll I'll be the hero that saves the day. And when these guys get elected, these guys call these guys the op opposition. So like, have we created this storm through? Um, through the polarization of voting? I, I cannot speak about Canada. I can tell you about the United States. We do not have a political constituency or political party uh, with an incentive to talk about good things going on in the world. So when, when Trump is in power, uh, all the progressives will say, oh, the world is ending. We have to emigrate. Everything is going to hell because, you know, there's an election in two years and then in four years. So yeah. you, you don't want to give any credit. Uh, to Trump. When Biden is in power, uh, same thing happens. All the Republicans are saying everything is going to hell, nothing is working out, you know, we all have to emigrate. Um, so the, the, the point is that we, we don't have a constituency uh, for for reminding people that the world is actually not ending, not going to hell. And, and that is maybe connected to the fact that the government has started to play much bigger of a role in our yeah. lives. You know, uh, in, in, in 18th century Britain, um, you still had a lot of corruption and life was difficult, but but government didn't matter so much because it influenced only so few, only a very narrow sliver of, of life. But now, uh, when the government can opine about anything, it can imprison you at home uh, during the COVID pandemic, uh, it can tell you, um, uh, you know, what foods to eat, how to educate your children and so forth. Um, Politics have become polarized, not just because of social media, etc. Politics is primarily polarized, in my view, that's just my opinion, because because the government does so much that when the opposition takes charge, um, basically many of your basic values are threatened. What are your thoughts when it comes to 
like the when it comes to climate modeling and how almost all of the predictions for the future is based on modeling. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on that? I'm not a I'm I'm, I'm not a specialist on climate change. I want to make that very clear. Um, I accept that the world is lukewarming. I accept that CO2 has uh, a role to play in it. And I accept that human beings contribute to increasing CO2 into the atmosphere. However, we have to be aware that uh, what the United Nations uh, produces yeah. and what the public hears through the medium of the press are very different things. And that all the nuance all the uncertainty, which is included in the IPCC documents, um, gets filtered out of the system precisely because in order to sell newspapers or make you click on a news story on, on the Internet, you have to basically over-dramatize things. You know, your your book is full of so many things, and um, we've only got so much time here to pick your brain. And um, there's a few things I want to kind of get to. There's something that I saw you talk about. You were talking about population. And you're talking about actually birth rates. And you, I, there's a few things that you mentioned. Um, one of the things that I find that's being talked about a lot is actually that we're in a negative growth in a lot of places in the world as far as birth rate goes. Um, again, it, it kind of goes against what's being spoken about, taught about. Um, but I, I, a lot of talk about China, actually, that they're in a decline, even though they're over a billion people. What are, what are your thoughts on the birth rate for the world? Yeah, so in 107 countries out of 190 uh, birth rates are below replacement level. Replacement level is basically a statistic which says you need to have on average 2.1 children per woman per lifetime to keep the population stable. Okay, That's so let's, zero let's just flesh that out for a second. So if they're not at that number, then the population will begin to get older and older, and then there's no one to support that. Is that correct? That that's part of it, but the population just stops expanding. If if it's just two point one child per woman per lifetime, yeah. then we are talking about keeping the population stable. But in one hundred and seven countries out of one hundred and ninety, it's below the replacement level, which means wow. that, which means that they may be growing statistically in a sense that 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 you know that that um, well that 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 some that, that it's not shown yet the fact that. Um, at, at some point in the future, in the near yeah. future, uh, their populations are going to start declining if they are not declining already. Yeah. And um, that means that the world will stop growing in about 2060. And after that, it, it will start declining. Um, and and we, we may have a problem with underpopulation rather than overpopulation. China is a perfect example of, of a self-inflicted wound, like you would expect from a communist regime. Yeah. They had a one-child policy, which was brutally enforced through uh, through through enforced sterilization and abortions and things like that, uh, unwanted abortions. Um, and and between 1978 and 2015, and and the Chinese are very proud in saying that uh, they prevented the birth of 400 million people. But oh, now the wow. the problem, of course, is that uh, China has lost its uh, most populous country status to to India this year. Um, and that their population pyramid doesn't look like a healthy pyramid. The healthy pyramid looks something like this with a lot of young people at the bottom and few people on top, but it looks more like this. Um, and, and they have that, that bulge of people who are older, who are now 
getting into the re retirement age and they don't have young people to support them in retirement but they also yeah. cannot keep the current size of the economy if you don't have people whom you're going to be employing in all the industries which need to be populated by new workers yeah yeah it'll exponentially get worse as as time goes on yes wow that's that's absolutely wild i guess a question i have for you is and there's this this is the quote it says artists don't create society they reflect it and and so i want to ask you is so when we see art or movies or content being created that is kind of portraying that apocalyptic view that something has to happen or the world is done, um, do you, what came first, do you think? Do you think that the, the, the artist is portraying this is where we're going or that they're just reflecting society and this is what we're at? Like, is, is, what, what is with art and, and movies everywhere you look that are so apocalyptic pointing to this worldview of the world is ending? I don't know. I haven't thought about that. I, I certainly hope I didn't write it. Um, I think that <laughs> no, quote, it's not you. <laughs> I think that quote comes from else. Well, what I can tell you is that, is that, even though the world has improved tremendously among uh, along so many different dimensions of human well-being since 1950, in every single decade after 1950, the number of apocalyptic movies has actually increased. So, over the last 70 years of movie making. Every decade saw more and more apocalyptic movies, with one exception, and that was the 1990s. And I think that may have been because there was a lot of optimism in the world when the Cold War ended without a, you know, with, without a war. We, you know, the, the communist communist world just disappeared. Um, so, 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 what we do know is that there is constant. That there is more and more apocalyptic movies, even though the world is improving. So, so my sort of uh, first gut reaction would be that it is the movie making which contributes to making us uh, hyper anxious and which is creating a sense that the world is much more dangerous than it is. Um, again, knowing that the world is getting better, but the number of apocalyptic movies is increasing and with it also human anxiety, I would probably say that culture drives this that it's the, it's it's the uh, that art contributes to it i don't think it's it's probably not the, the only thing but i would say it's a uh, I, I would suggest it's a contributor a couple last questions i want to kind of throw your way is what are like w would you i guess i want to pick your brain on the top five ways that the world has improved because there's there's many you go over all sorts of different ways but what would you say are kind of for the viewers to just get a quick synopsis on the benefits that have kind of happened over the years well, we could be here for a very long time. And I could talk about I could talk about increased literacy, increased life expectancy, increased incomes per capita, decline in absolute uh, absolute poverty. But I will focus only on the environmental trends, which are getting better. But people will not know your your listeners will not know because they never read about it in newspapers. But it's just a click away. Yeah. One thing is, of course, greening of the planet. We have more foliage um, in the world, more luscious forests yeah. and, and, and bushes and things like that, because CO2, whilst it is contributing to global warming, is also plant food. This is something yeah. that you should be able to learn in biology and chemistry in the first year. Well, they and use CO2 producers in greenhouses, correct? Precisely. Yeah. So they pump greenhouse, uh, sorry, they pump CO2 into greenhouses in order to make uh, tomatoes and cucumbers yeah. grow faster. Um, another thing is um, is is uh, afforestation of the planet. In the last twenty years, 
the tree coverage in the United States rose by 35%, in Europe by 35%, and in China by something like 20% or so. So you, here you have greening of the planet and afforestation. Another thing which is very exciting, and that is that the world is now filled with record number of uh, nature reserves and also uh, ocean, uh, square mileage of ocean, uh, which is protected from human explora uh, exploitation and exploration. So um, part of the beauty of being rich and being, uh, being a sophisticated society is that you can carve out a part of your land where you no longer have to farm and declare it Yosemite or, yeah. or you know, a nature reserve. And also that you have the Marines and, and ships and satellites, which are able to monitor large chunks of the ocean to prevent Chinese yeah. uh, ships from, from coming in and, and, and fishing. So, so that's another thing, uh, a, a record number of uh, record, record square mileage of the planet, which is now reserved for, for the animals. Uh, fourth would be aquaculture. Very exciting for me. Um, one of the things that's going on in the world, which is undeniably true, is that we are overfishing. And so the, what you want to do is to get away from wild fishing as much as possible. And you want to start uh, to, to produce as much fish as you can on fish farms. Yeah. Now, these don't have to be primitive fish farms like pools and things like that. You can also produce a lot of fish, shrimp and whatever else by simply cordoning off a part of the ocean and 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 uh you know controlling you, you the environment yeah controlling the environment like that and already 50 percent of all the fish consumed in the world comes from aquaculture so that's another perfect example of of uh, of the way that the world is uh, that the world is getting better so uh, like so if i'm interpreting you correctly the world is in a good trajectory where the world's getting better would you, yes. Would you agree with that? yes. So long as we keep on having people and especially free people yeah. to talk to each other, to publish, to think freely, uh, to invest in the stock, uh, in, the, in, 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 in the marketplace in order to create new innovations and benefit from them, then I don't think there is any problem that human beings, free human beings cannot solve. What, what is it that you would, if you could kind of encapsulate what you hope to accomplish with this book, with, what, with your talks? What is it you hope to push and get people to understand? I would say that if we move the needle and um, and 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 convince people the world is not ending and that people who are purveying this apocalyptic stuff um, are wrong and um, are doing a lot of harm, then we will have achieved something good. I want to make sure that people don't misunderstand me. I um, I am a uh, I, I am an environmentally conscious person, and uh, I'm surrounded by people who are self-declared environmentalists, rational environmentalists, people who are determined to um, to to have a future in which there is a balance between human flourishing and a cleaner, more beautiful planet. We Absolutely. we all want to combine those two, totally. but there is a substratum within the environmentalist movement which is apocalyptic, which is fanatical which uh, has, an, in, in, in the hierarchy of values of those people, there is no place for humanity. Yeah. They are anti-humanist very deliberately. They say the world would be much better without human beings in it, which is an insane idea because human beings are the only mm -hmm. 
entity in the world capable of perceiving the planet through our yeah. senses. The, the animals don't care about the planet one whit. They care about eating, having sex and not being eaten, but they yeah. don't appreciate the beauty of the planet. We do. So so they are anti-humanists. They are anti-natalists. They believe that humans are, are children are, are cancer on the planet, that if you have a baby, you are you're basically being selfish don't take into account uh, the wildlife and whatever um and it is these people that we need to combat um extreme environmentalism is in danger of becoming an apocalyptic religion for people who have lost faith uh, for whatever reason in traditional religions um i'm not wow. personally religious so i don't you know i'm i'm not uh, i'm not saying anything um uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to make a case for traditional religion. What I am making a case for is the famous G.K. Chesterton quote that when people stop believing in God, they don't believe in nothing. They believe in anything. And as we see a decline of traditional religion, what we see as an increase in alternative to traditional religions, including environmental extremism, which which is a replacement for that. And and it's quite extraordinary to see in environmentalism. Uh, the, these religious components, uh, the Garden of Eden, which is just the world be before industrialization. Yeah. Uh, they have their own saints like Greta Thunberg. Uh, they have their own priesthoods like uh, IPCC. Uh, they have their own devils. Uh, <laughs> Very like, interesting. You know, they have their own devils like the uh, like uh, like fossil fuel companies. They even have um, indulgences uh, where you can do whatever wrong and then it's, it's forgiven if you pay up. One of the thoughts that you I thought was brilliant was that you talked about there's this whole idea out there about how there's only so many atoms in the world to be used. And if we consume them all, like it's almost like the a pie. If we're all going to share a pie, there's only so much to go around. Um, but I, I loved how. And, and jump in wherever I get this wrong. But you talked about how like one way that we reorganize atoms on our planet is simply by like something like an iPhone or, or a phone. Whereas you would use this phone if it, the phone can be a calculator, it can be a notepad, it can be a phone, it can be a so the list goes on and on. Whereas in back in the day, you needed 20 different devices to do that. So through our innovation, we're becoming more efficient and actually um, not producing as much things because of our innovation. Yes, that, that particular process is called dematerialization, where where this little thing in my hand serves as a map, as a pad, yeah. as a as a television set, as a camera, uh, a radio, all sorts of things yeah. that you would in the old days, <laughs> you would need in order to get around. They're all, you know, and just many fewer atoms and less energy. Yeah. But um, Yes, the world is has has finite number of atoms, but the value you can get from those atoms is infinite. Think about something as simple as a grain of sand. It's been on the planet for billions of years. Yeah. And then about 5,000 years ago, people suddenly figured out that if you heat sand to 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit, you can get glass beads and later glass jars. Yeah. And then we started using sand to you know to do to to create window panes and with every single step of the way we got more value out of yeah. the same commodity which is a grain of sand and of course now sand is turned into glass which is used in fiber optic cables which send information around the world at the speed at close to the speed of light yeah. um worth trillions of dollars in 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 value so there you can see how how this process it's just it's still just a, a grain of sand but but the value that we have we can create out of that has increased exponentially over the last 5,000 years. I, I can't thank you enough for, um, for joining us today. 
like I said, it just getting it, your perspective on a lot of these angles is, is extremely refreshing because, like I said, it's just it seems like whatever app you open or whatever television program you turn on, it's so doom and gloom. And so, um, so yeah, keep keep doing what you're doing. Um, where can every where can people grab your book from if they're looking for it? Well, thank you very much for those kind words. I especially hope that people will buy it for their children. Um, yeah. It's probably not a good book for somebody who's 10 years old, but <laughs> yeah. an 18-year-old will understand it. it Maybe a good uh, back-to-college uh, sort of gift uh, for Christmas. But uh, learn everything. Every, anything you want to know about the book uh, can be gotten for free at superabundance.com, superabundance.com. And if after reading the introduction, you decide that you want to buy the book, please go to amazon.com, amazon.ca, uh, or, uh, or any, basically any larger bookstore like Walmart or Barnes & Nobles. So thank you for that. Well, again, Marion, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. And um, we really appreciate all your uh, insight on these topics. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You are an essential part of this series. Support truth, knowledge, and wisdom by sharing this show with a friend. Visit returntoreason.tv. There you can subscribe to my newsletter by clicking Become an Insider. Get the latest articles, episodes, and exclusive content. You'll be the first to know about fascinating conversations I've had recently and what my research team is working on. If you have a suggestion for the show or would like the reference material for this episode, use the link in the show notes. Experience Return to Reason. Get involved.